You're listening to Witch Wednesdays, your weekly podcast source for all things witchcraft in the modern world. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. I'm Steph, and I have two guests here with me today, and we are going to have a very fun chat about green witchcraft. But of course, first, I am going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves and let you know where you can find them online. So Chris, would you like to get started? Yeah. Hi, I'm Chris Young. Uh, I am the writer of The Green Witch's Guide to Magical Plants and Flowers. And you can find us at Two Green Witches. It's the number two, not the written out two. Two Green Witches at Two Green Witches on Instagram. And we're also Two Green Witches on uh, TikTok, right, Susan? Yep. And Susan, what about you? My name is Susan Ottaviano, and I'm the illustrator, and I developed the recipes for the book. Together, we make two green witches. Yeah, together, we are two green witches. I think that is so lovely that you are both uh, offering your different skills to this book, which is beautiful. So thumbs up on the illustrations. Those are very impressive because I have no artistic abilities whatsoever. So anytime a book is as beautiful as like the content inside, I get very excited. Oh, well, labor of love. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, before we get into a chat about, you know, green witchcraft in general, let's focus on the book. So people kind of know a little bit about what to expect with the book and your history in witchcraft in coming to the conclusion to write the book in the first place. Well, I, um, we originally wanted to do a book about flowers. The two of us did. We were trying to figure out a way to combine Susan's art with my writing. And we thought about flowers and I was reminded, and we thought about how can we make it interesting and not just flower, just, you know. And I was reminded of my first exposure to green witchcraft when I was in my 20s. I met a woman named Irma who worked at the place where I worked she was kind of, it was back in the days, it was in a talent agency. That was my first job and it was miserable. And she worked in the kitchen. So I guess you would say she was a kitchen witch as much as she was a green witch. And I would come into her kitchen with tears in my eyes, getting my Bialy and my coffee for my boss. And she would teach me things that would ground me and that would make my life a little calmer and they all worked and i thought well we should do we should call on green witchcraft for this book and and then we decided we would focus on love and make it about love and how to draw and attract love and that's kind of how the book came about and then thank i mean i don't want to say thank goodness for covid by any means but during covid we had the downtime to really do it and the book really ended up growing organically for us. Like Chris said, it started out that we were just going to do this little kind of pamphlet with flowers and illustrations. And then it slowly grew into this whole book. Why don't we add uh, the magical mindfulness? Why don't we add these? What about do you know? We had interest. We've always had, we've always had an interest in Greek mythology and the history of all different types of um, myths and legends and flowers. And we just kept going <laughs> and so um, from the really small pamphlet that was going to come out we grew it into this uh, this book really organically so we're we're really excited about that it really happened um just on its it had took on a life of its own it was like magic 
Yeah, it was like magic. The book really kind of kind of emerged and made itself known to us at, over time. <laughs> that is a great story. Chris, I think everybody can relate to having a job like that in your 20s. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, it was my first job. And, you know, nothing I did was fast enough or enough enough. And I would go into the kitchen to get him his coffee and my, you know, and I would just be like, oh, what do I do? And he would say, well, let's burn some onion skins, you know, and why don't you make a wreath of, 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 um, of, uh, uh, of birch twigs for your door and do, just all the, all this stuff that grounded and cleansed me, you know, and uh, it worked. <laughs> so we tried to do it here. Uh, that is a great way to get started. And I think a lot of people have turned to witchcraft, especially green witchcraft and kitchen witchcraft in particular, when they have situations like that, because I think those are two of the most accessible for people. Yeah, and it's so yeah. grounding. And meditative. Meditative, yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. So for I mean, somebody who is maybe brand new and coming to this and thinking that they aren't interested in green witchcraft because they don't have a green thumb. What <laughs> would you tell them or what advice would you give them? I would say, um, well, we do have growing instructions in the book. <laughs> <laughs> so we can help them out with the green thumb a little bit. Um, but I would say, don't worry about, you know, not whether or not you do have a green thumb because a lot of it's stuff that you can get at the grocery store, to be honest. I mean, a lot of the plants or you could get at a nursery, you can get, you know, but I always suggest growing them yourself because you want them to be organic and you want them to be pesticide free, especially if you're ingesting them in any way. And, you know, and it's always important to know what plants are poisonous. But I would say don't be intimidated um, um, at all by it. We're trying to inspire creativity. So in a way, we don't want to hear I don't have a green thumb. We want to. We want to encourage you to explore your creativity, whether it be in the garden or the kitchen or, um, you know, just just being more aware of 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 things around you. Yeah. So this book would be great for no matter what level you're at. Oh, yeah, I definitely think this is good for like someone who's witch adjacent. <laughs> 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 who's kind of like curious, a little witch curious, as we call it, um, because we've kept it all really simple. We've kept the spells really simple. Some of the recipes are a little complicated, but I think they're very clear. Um, so we've we've tried to make it so that it's a launching pad for you. You can start, you can look at the book and then get, get inspired to do other spells that are simple or as complicated as you want. What are some of the recipes that people can expect in the book? Um, we have recipes for a pesto. We have recipes for a pomegranate punch. We have recipes for a parsley salad. Really, we have recipes for all the, uh, the book is based on 26 herbs and flowers, A to Z. So we have recipes for all of the edible um, uh, herbs or flowers, uh, you know, the rest, a lot of them are poisonous, like Chris said. <laughs> that are edible, we do have recipes for. And we have an, a chapter that's about a special love meal that you could serve to your um, beloved or you could serve, make for yourself, which is a very 
mindful practice just to make yourself a beautiful dinner and um, uh, a little self-love. So, um, yeah, we tried to make it not manipulative, not a manipulative kind of love spells, but the kind of spells that you can do for yourself, uh, for your cat, <laughs> for, for it tried to, we tried to make it, um, what's the best word to say? Not intimidating, just not intimidating. You know, yeah. just inspiring and a jump off point. We're really about not following all the rules or if this inspires you to make, we have a tulip oil. If this inspires you to make like a rose uh, petal face cream, that's great. And we'd love to hear about it. Yeah. I like that because I, first of all, you are talking to a whole group of podcast listeners that are animal lovers. So you're in the right place as soon as you said cat. <laughs> this is the right group. Yeah. <laughs> well, we and we 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 consciously made the book vegan too for that same reason. We're animal lovers, and we thought, well, let's make this book as as zen and cruelty free as possible. So all the spells are are cruelty free. <laughs> I enjoy that, and I like that you mention you know, self-love and things as well. Cause usually love spells do sort of get that bad rap that you're trying to manipulate somebody else to fall in love with you, but that's not really what love spells are at the end of the day. Not what they you have. Know, our, yeah. Ours are just drawn to attract love into your life or to attract a loving feeling for yourself or, you know, so it's, it's not really like, you know, throw the rope around their neck and pull them into the house. <laughs> or take the time to make the um, mushroom um, pasta, uh, you know, uh, cultivate, buy, buy your mushrooms at the, the farmer's market, make your own dinner with love and um, enjoy it. You deserve it. Yeah. That is an excellent idea because I don't think that we focus on self-love enough. So it's definitely something that I'm trying to bring more of into my life because I don't do that for myself where I'm just going to sit down and make a nice meal that's just for me. I only do it on the days where I am feeding my husband and yeah. firehouse. I should do it for myself as well. But, but maybe you want to have a bath to yourself where you have like the jasmine bath salts that you made and put some rose petals in the tub and light some candles and have some apple tea that we, we have a recipe for it's it's everything's designed. So you could just do it for yourself too. If you take care of yourself, it puts you in a better position to take care of others. So um, yeah. I think the other part of our book that kind of it like slowly, I think this was the last part we added to it is we have a section called magical mindfulness. And it really is about, you know, being aware of your surroundings, being aware of these things, enjoying the simple things in life and, and really um, treasuring them. Yeah. Do either of you have a favorite recipe in the book or a favorite plant that is featured? Well, <laughs> it all started with roses. So I guess we love the roses, but recently I've been loving the Queen Anne's Lace chapter. <laughs> and I and I've been like really into the basil lately. <laughs> and plus I love pesto. <laughs> oh great, great season for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I can grow a few things. I wouldn't say I don't have a green thumb. I'd say I am still learning. <laughs> I'm in the process of That's learning. Right. But basil is one of those things that I am confident in because that just grows like crazy. Right, <laughs> right. I think that's the cool thing about green witchcraft is that it's always about learning. Like I would yeah. not say, I would not say that I'm an expert on anything, but I would say that I'm constantly learning and, you know, 
looking things up and and i think for me that's a part of the fun of green witchcraft is there's always more to learn and there's always more plants to know about um so i love that we like to encourage people to be curious you know absolutely yeah. And I like that you say that you're you're not an expert and you're always still learning because I have been told really you have though. a certified wildlife habitat. He's amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very excited. I got the garden certified a few years ago. And you know, you have to do certain things. You have to make it uh, a, a living space and a habitat space and a place where they can feed and nest and get water and blah blah blah. And I was really excited about getting my garden certified it's amazing i didn't even know that you could do that yeah yeah so it's uh my garden is all devoted to being a habitat it's pretty too it's not that i'm you know i'm not also i'm not making it so much so that it just looks like i mean it kind of does look like a wild crazy jungle but i think <laughs> i think it's a pretty wild crazy jungle <laughs> it's gorgeous his garden is amazing Oh, it must be so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I've been, it's 20 years in the making. And like I say, I'm not an expert, but over time, spending time with the plants, you learn what grows and what scenario, what doesn't grow. And I think gardening really teaches you about patience because yes. some things don't, you know, some things, you know, like I planted a wisteria, I think 10 years ago. And this was the first year it bloomed. It took that long. So, you know, you have to learn to just kind of sit back and wait. <laughs> <laughs> Which I have mentioned on this podcast before of all of my skills and everything in life. The thing that I cannot do is be patient. I am so Me too. It. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying so hard. <laughs> I'm so impatient. I'm so impatient. The one play, I mean, I will say, the one place in my life where I feel like I've learned to go, okay, <clears throat> I'm planting this Matilla hot poppy and I know that I'm not going to see flowers for several years. So I'm just going to let it do its thing. And I'm going to not stand with my hands on my waist going, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then I just go worry about other things like the book and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I am trying to be more patient there. I just I have roses for the first time this year out in the back because there was like a little stick that fell off from my mom's garden and she put it back there. She's like, no, I swear it's not dead. It's going to have roses. And it's been about five years, but it finally has roses this year. I can't See? Great. Congratulations. I <laughs> just a little TLC and some love. And yeah, <laughs> I, know, I could not believe it, but I am excited that roses are in the book. Now I can do something. <laughs> Congratulations on your rose. <laughs> in terms of just your witchcraft and practice in general, whether or not it's in the book, do you have anything, any sort of spell work or ritual that you do on a semi-regular basis? I know every day looks different, but maybe weekly or monthly. Hmm. I always... Well, one thing that I always do is before I'm going to do something, I sort of cleanse my area by lighting incense. That's just a little thing I do. And I really love the Nag Champa incense. And I love lavender incense. Um, I that that's a that's just a little thing that I do. I always light my incense before I start up something. I lit it incense just before we started talking, as a matter of fact. 
Oh. Little cleansing. <laughs> maybe maybe like I'll that. sage. Maybe I'll sage. That kind of thing. I like that a lot. I am. <laughs> I don't like incense too much. It bothers my dog. Um, but <laughs> I love that. I love when it works for other people because I know that that is very popular amongst witches. Yeah, I love it. Susan, do you did you have anything that you do sort of regularly? I think um, I consider myself more like a like it, like an art witch. So um, I think it things that you're doing for me to get into the flow state, and that might be having a cup of tea, taking a walk. Um, I guess that's what really. Um, have you ever heard of like the Artist Way, the book? I I have, but I'm not. I only heard of it. Not well, that it talks a lot about what we're saying about mindfulness of of taking a walk, uh, doing um, morning pages, doing certain rituals that kind of put you into this um, flow state where you're open to, you know, um, embrace your work. Yeah, like for me having like, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but I really love having like rose hip tea mm -hmm. in the morning and I love to go into the garden and just kind of like wake up slowly and it's very meditative and it helps me tune in to kind of the natural world before, you know, the hecticness of whatever that day is. It's a little ritual. And I love the idea of the temporariness of like what Chris is saying, you go in the garden and you see what's bloomed and you see what has died and you're sort of just you're in the moment because um, you you don't have any control over that. I mean, you can, you you try to have control over it. You try to water your plants, and but that's um, uh, the temporariness of of nature and and life. That's that's very exciting. I yeah, I'll deadhead my sweet peas and deadhead <laughs> them. Eventually, eventually they're gonna die. Sadly, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say it like that in a very morbid. No, 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 no. <laughs> I know your garden is like kicking it right now. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. We had a lot of rain in California this winter. And so the garden is just bananas, though there are no bananas in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, a, a garden really is a great way to see that cyclical cycle of everything that we go through. Yeah, even even in Southern California, you would think, oh, it's always sunny and the same. But once you get to know your plants, you do see the seasons change and some plants come and some go. And, you know, I know that the jasmine will only be there in February and to enjoy it February and March and then it's over. And then, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it must be beautiful. I have a very short growing season here in Chicago. Oh, you're oh in Chicago. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from, I'm, I actually grew, I grew up in Indiana, so I know you have a hot, humid, short growing season. <laughs> oh yeah. Indiana is exactly the same weather. You get it. There's, you know, yeah. snow that comes and ruins things that oh, get that, like second frost that comes through. So you can't plant right. too early because right. you're just going to die. It's sneaky, sneaky. The one thing I will say is, um, the one thing that's nice about winter is it's a good time to make a cup of tea and daydream with all your seed catalogs and your plant catalogs and think what am I going to do in spring <laughs> that is very true and that's one of the things that tea is the easiest because you really don't have to I know people are you know concerned about the proper terms it's not technically tea if you don't use the tea leaves but I'm just talking about like an herbal cup of something yeah you can yeah. grab anything from your garden and put it in water if it's just about yeah just about 
<laughs> and I love being able to do that because I think that's one of the easiest ways to work with the plants that you grow, even well, though it's speaking, technically not tea. Speaking of jasmine, that reminds me this year I discovered that you could make, uh, I took uh, like a handful of jasmine blooms and put them in a pitcher of water and let the pitcher set overnight. And the next day it was the most delicious, refreshing drink I've ever tasted. So I that's never tried that's, that. That's going to be my new spring ritual is, is jasmine water. Ooh, that sounds lovely. I know that it even sounds good. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's better than it sounds. It sounds like, <laughs> like spring in a glass, just refreshing. It is, it <laughs> is, it is, it is a garden in a glass. It's so wonderful. <laughs> I feel like rose tea is the same thing. Like I, that's why I love rose tea so much is it really feels like, wow, you're just immersing yourself in roses in the best way. I have never had it in tea, but that is something that I am excited to do now that I have a rose. Oh yeah, it's super, it's super easy. It's super easy. It's, you'll love it. <laughs> Are there any plants that you keep around either, you know, close by or inside your house that you use for its properties rather than you know specifically taste making a recipe anything like for let's say prosperity or protection do you have any favorite plants for those i have a geranium uh uh kind of a hot pink geranium that i keep by my front door for protection um Ooh, geranium yeah like just boring old geranium but um they're amazing protection plants and 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 good luck too for good luck and also rosemary. I like rosemary too. Like I love um, putting a little rosemary under the pillow or they say too, that if you put it under your bed, it protects you uh, from bad dreams and bad juju when you're sleeping. Yeah. I've got rosemary all over the place. Agreed. Yeah. It's a good one. <laughs> what about you, Susan? Do you have any? I think lavender is definitely um, something. And again, I love using the rose petals. I've made a rose petal, uh, like a, we have this Aphrodite mix and it's a, um, a, a spray that um, has neroli oil, rose oil. And I love to spray it around, um, you know, my pillows and linens. And um, yeah, that also has some lavender in it as well. So do you have a lot of Greek mythology influenced in your, your planting and your recipes? Absolutely. I mean, it's always been a love of mine. Chris and I share a lot of loves that we've had for 30, 40 years. So this book <laughs> was really fun for us because we got to like put everything in it and really yeah. got to explore. And um, it's that it's really been been fun with that. There's so many. Um, uh, we tackle a lot of the Greek myths and just the history of a lot of different flowers is so interesting, like tulips and other things I didn't know um, until discovered them <laughs> <laughs> do you have an example well my favorite one is because it's just so like what is um hyacinth is often used in in same-sex love spells because of the greek myth that is behind it which is that apollo the god of the sun and uh zephyr the god of the west wind both fell in love with this spartan prince named hyakinthos and Apollo took him out on a discus throwing date and uh, Zephyr got wind of this, pun intended, and he, 
and he blew a wind in, into their faces and the discus hit Hyakinthos and killed him instantly. And then where his blood fell, which is always the case in Greek myths, you know, where the tears or the blood fell, that's where the flowers grew. And Apollo in his grief named all the flowers hyacinths in honor of Hyakinthos. So, I mean, any spell can be for anything. Any love spell can be for anybody. But if you're if you're trying to do it for same sex, you might zhuzh it up with a little little uh, hyacinth. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the story of Persephone and the pomegranate seed. I've been obsessed with that for my whole life. And I think that I wrote it. We, we were, there was a song that the band I was in, we wrote in, uh, what year was that, Chris? Um, like, like 88, 88. about 88. Um, Persephone. And so it's great to, um, she didn't, be able she, to honor her. Didn't she choke on a pomegranate seed? No, no. She ha um, uh, she was abducted by Hades, the god of the underworld, and and um, her mother, who was um, the uh, god of the earth, Demeter. Uh, she uh, tried to get her back, and they said she could come back as long as she hadn't eaten anything. But she oh. ate pomegranate seed that Hades gave her, so she wasn't able to return. And then. Um, you know, that was just that that was her undoing and what they made a compromise so that she could come back half of the year. So that's why there's summer when she comes back and then there's winter when she goes back to when she comes back to Earth. It's summer and her mother makes it summer and makes all the trees grow. And then when she has to go back to the underworld with Hades, um, it is winter and her mother is angry and makes all the trees die and and the earth barren. Oh, I love that. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> about the woman book. abducted <laughs> yeah yeah it, it always spoke to me and we have pomegranate um champagne punch yeah pomegranates are called love apples and i will tell you that we had a book signing in provincetown and i might have gotten a little tipsy on that pomegranate punch <laughs> Excellent. that's the best way to have a book signing <laughs> it did help <laughs> Uh, Persephone is one of my favorites too. I love all of the mythology, uh, but Greek is definitely one of my favorites. And you know, ancestry-wise, I only have like two percent Greek in me. It's very small, but for some yeah, reason, it's I've always to me. I've, I've got no Greek at all, but I think it's it's fantastic when you hear these ancient myths and how the flowers or plants are involved and how it affects how people see them even today or how they use them. I love that. Oh yeah, it's absolutely fascinating that we still have carried down these things and people will associate those plants with those certain myths without even realizing that they're doing it. They just yeah. don't do them, no idea why. <laughs> Apples come in so many different stories. We had to figure out which one to choose, to t which one we would tell because it, it, it just keeps coming up, right, Chris? Yeah, apples, 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 apples. <laughs> so especially with love. I feel like apples are a very witchy fruit because they've got the pentagram inside. So everybody, right. everybody has them all over the place. I love apples in witchcraft everywhere. Yeah, it's perfect. It's the perfect, it's a perfect thing. <laughs> it's definitely one of my favorites, especially in the fall and winter. So I'm excited that you've got apples in the book and apple tea. Can't wait. <laughs> Chapter one, chapter yes. one. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot wait for that season to come up. I am trying to go a little bit more with the seasons this year. That was kind of my goal um, because you can, you know, from a grocery store, get everything year round, but yeah, 
it's not exactly natural for where I live. So I'm trying to pick out what's, you know, the freshest and natural for the season I am where I'm at right now. Which Uh, especially if you're doing, what is the, what do they call that? The hundred mile diet where everything you get is grown within a hundred miles of you. So that way you would be forced to stay seasonal and, and I, and apparently it's more healthy. And there's something great about making do with what you have for our book signing last week. We were supposed to have this stuff figs and they weren't in season. We couldn't get them where we were. So we stuffed the dates and everybody was saying how much they liked it. And maybe we should change that in our menu to the, yeah, stuff. the stuff. The stuff dates were amazing. <laughs> Ooh, sounds delicious. I might've been eating too during our book signing. <laughs> <laughs> Are you coming to Chicago? Because I need to go to your book signing with all of these treats hey, that you guys offer. We might, we might. <laughs> I hope you do. I will yeah, be there. Where to come? I will be front and center for oh good, oh good. We were... and punch. We're doing a little tour, so we're going to New York and San Francisco and Salem, and we'd love to add uh, Chicago to our tour. Oh, yeah. that would be fantastic! I love, I, I love Chicago. I love Chicago. It's one of my favorite cities. Really, even after. You grew up in Indiana and got to California. You'd really want to come back. Yeah, I mean, you know why? Because when I was a kid, Indiana, you know, <laughs> we didn't get the bands and stuff that I liked, but all the all the really great bands would come to Chicago. So I was always like hightailing up to Chicago when I was in <laughs> high school and college. And I kind of love it because of that. Like the culture there is so great. No offense, Indiana. But I'm just saying Chicago, <laughs> Chicago really has it together. Chicago's my favorite city in the Midwest, definitely. Oh, for sure. Yes. <laughs> well, the architect the architecture alone is so amazing. Yeah. It is. It really is a beautiful city. Yeah. Well, I hope that you do come here. That would be fantastic. And listeners, I'm gonna have everything linked over in the show notes as always at whichwednesdays.com. So if they are coming to your city, you will know if you just want to, you know, check out the book, the Instagram, everything, all of that will be easy for you to find. Just want to throw that out there. Awesome. Thank you so much. And before we wrap up for the day, I always like to ask, it does not have to be green or kitchen witchcraft related, but just in general to magic, spirituality, witchcraft do you have any advice for beginners like you mentioned earlier witchcraft adjacent if they're just dipping their toes in um, do you have any advice for those people I would say don't be afraid and um, uh, just dip your toe in and don't feel that's what we like about our book that like what we said it's not intimidating and you don't have to do it it's like yoga or something you don't have to do it right you don't it's a practice you give yourself a chance to try and learn and get what you you can out of it. There's no right or wrong. For us, there's no right or wrong. Um, it's the journey. <laughs> yeah, and I would say really follow your instincts. Um, you know, go with your gut. Um, I, I would say that's a good advice in general. Yeah. But, but follow your instincts and um, and that's probably the, the, the best the best you can do when you're like approaching witchcraft is like what feels good in my heart to be doing. That's excellent advice. Beautiful advice. Both of you. (laughs) I appreciate that. Thank you. 
Well, I want to thank you both so much for your time today and chatting about your book, sharing your story. I know that everyone who has listened to this podcast has deep interest in green witchcraft and kitchen witchcraft. I get questions about those two things all the time. So I am so thankful that you offered your expertise and that you wrote and illustrated this great book. Thank you so much. It was so fun. It really is. The I am going to have a picture for everyone who's listening to see, but it really just, it looks like love on the cover. Like it's just so beautiful. Mm-hmm, That's awesome. You. I'm so glad you feel that way. And and also what you're saying is to approach all your spells with love and, and to, you know, cook with love and create, create your garden with love. And that, you know, that's how, that's the secret ingredient. Yeah. That is wonderful. Thank you so much for being here and listeners. That's everything that I have for this week. I will see you all next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Need even more? Subscribe to Patreon and YouTube for exclusive bonus content. Order a themed witchcraft box every month through Witch Wednesdays on Etsy. Be sure to follow on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast. Find all these links and more at witchwednesdays.com.